Shotgun snap inside give. This is a tackle for a loss. Michael Hoyt's turn to break through for a TFL. He's making this team. The Rams are going to need some extra D-line depth. And Michael Hoyt, from training camp forward, has really carved out a role. Welcome to the latest episode of Rams Revealed. I'm your host, J.B. Long. It is week six. The Rams are four and one, and they're off to New York to face the Giants after their mini-buy. And our guest is first-year defensive lineman Michael Hoyt. Uh, Michael, let me start with this. H-O-E-C-H-T, Hoyt. Hoyt. Please All the letters ex- in the middle are silent. Okay, please explain. What, what are the origins of this? Uh, this German last name. Um, I believe it comes from Hecht, and it means height, so that seems to be pretty fitting. There you go. And you just celebrated your 24th birthday last week. I did. Were yep. you able to celebrate or did football get in the way? Football got in the way, but thankfully <laughs> my parents were in town. So I was able to go out to dinner with them on the Sunday after the game. Excellent. All right. Well, let's start from the beginning then. October 5th, 1997. Oakville, Ontario. Do I have that correct? You, you have that correct. Help us geographically. That's between Toronto and Hamilton. A yep. couple of big cities. Yep. Right in the middle there. And what were your family circumstances that had you born Canadian? Uh, so my whole family's Canadian, including extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my parents met in Toronto. And um, when they decided to have me, they were living in Oakville at the time. Um, and then around 2001, we moved down to Dayton, Ohio. And that's where I spent the majority of my childhood um, growing up in Dayton. That's really how a Canadian kid gets into football yeah. at a young age. Um, and then, you know, that eventually led me to Brown and then here. We'll get into all that. Uh, I do wonder where they're living now. And I asked because Oakwood, Ohio is pretty close to Indian. So I wondered if that was a family opportunity, if they were still in the area to go see it, play the Colts. Um, it's not, they, they're back in Toronto now. Okay. So you yeah. do consider yourself a Canadian. I do. More yeah. than Canadian passport born. Uh, and then tell me about how that impacted your football upbringing. Like was the move part of fostering your football development? Uh, would you have had the same football opportunities had you been raised in Ontario instead of Ohio? I'm not sure exactly the opportunities would have been the same. I know that where I grew up in Oakwood, uh, football is a really special part of that community. It has the whole Friday Night Lights vibe to it. It's a small town in the Midwest. So you get that entire community out to the games and supporting everybody. And from a very young age, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go be the Friday night lights football (laughs) player. And so, um, growing up there, that's really what directed me into football. Now growing up in Canada, I may have landed at the same place, but, um, I think, you know, in Oakwood, that's really what drove me to it. And you're a hoop star too, right? In yes. Ohio? Yes. Were you a LeBron guy? Uh, yeah. Yep. I know it wasn't exactly your portion of yeah, Ohio. Yeah, I was like, you know, right at that young, um, vulnerable age when, you know, trust issues can happen when your best player leaves your team. But uh, <laughs> no, he's well forgiven and he won a championship for Cleveland. How about as a uh, Canadian, curling or hockey? Hockey, 100%. Really? Uh, big Maple Leafs fan. My whole family's Maple Leafs fan. Um, some of my mom's side is, are Senators fans. So there's always that inter-Hoyt, Donnelly, rivalry between Ottawa, Toronto, Maple Leafs, Senators, which is always fun. All right. So you end up going to Brown, like you said. And for those of us who may not be dialed into Ivy League football, what was the attraction? What was the draw? Um, So I had heard in high school a really good way of thinking about choosing a college, which was the broken leg model, where if you go to college and you break your leg and you're not able to play football anymore, are you still at the right college? Mm -hmm. And so when my parents and I were deciding what schools to look at, um, we wanted to make sure that the academics were as good and as rigorous as the athletics were. Um, That way I'm, you know, in a good position, whether football works at it or not. And if I end up in, 
uh, good enough to make it to the NFL, they'll still find you. Um, and there's been lots of great players, James Devlin, James Devlin, Zach Diossi, who have come out of Brown, made it to the NFL. So um, I didn't feel like I was hurting my chances there at all. Um, and then Brown, obviously a world-class education. And I loved every second of it there. And, um, the football is really fun. It's 10 games. Every game is the Super Bowl because if you <laughs> lose one, you're done. So even as a prep, you did have NFL aspirations and you didn't think that by choosing an Ivy league school, you were sacrificing them in any way. I don't think coming out of high school, I was necessarily like, mm -hmm. I'm going to the NFL, but you know, what kid doesn't have it in the back of his head when he's going to play D one football, sure. that maybe this is something in the future, but I wanted to make sure that I was covered on both ends. So a couple of things, you didn't break your leg, right? I did not. Yeah. What was your broken leg plan though? Like where was Brown going to take you if football had not panned out professionally? Um, I was probably going to go the finance route. Um, that's what a lot of my friends and teammates who I lived with in college ended up doing. And they all live in New York right now. Um, and they're having a great time. Um, <laughs> So I would have done that. I would, did a summer internship at HPS Investments, um, which is like a mezzanine credit firm in New York in between my junior and senior year. And so that was more my dipping the toe into the water into the finance world in case the NFL didn't work out. <laughs> that would be my you know transition into the finance world. Sure. At what point in your, in your Brown career, though, did you have a sense that, hey, whether or not I get drafted, I think I might have what it takes to continue beyond college? I think it would be somewhere around mid junior season. Um, you know, I was playing well now, unfortunately the team wasn't playing well, but mm -hmm. I was, you know, doing well. And then, um, it was really more when I started to have agents and scouts, uh, start reaching out to me and they were saying, Hey, you know, you have, you could have what it takes to play at the next level. If you put that as priority number one. Um, and so that, as soon as you hear that as a kid, you're like, well, this is now priority number one. And this is all I eat, sleep and dream about is going to the NFL. And that's exactly what happened. Hmm. There are a lot of Dartmouth graduates in the Rams organization. Are yes, you sir. aware of this? I am. Okay. Yes. So this question may have been planted by one of them, but what uh, was your career record against big green? Uh, one and three. And they ended your senior day in your career, yes, which correct? we very much could have won that game. I'm not <laughs> going to say we should have, but we did have an opportunity to win that game at the end. Uh, that would have been a good way to end the Brown career. All right. I may be getting a kickback for putting that in there. That's fine. We, we won't edit it out because you didn't react too negatively okay. to it. But let's fast forward to spring of 2020 now, because some of this is happening for mm -hmm. you, right? Some of these potential um, projections, but the draft comes and goes and you end up signing with the Rams as a college free agent, but you don't get an offseason program. You don't get preseason games during August. You end up on the practice squad. Any major recollections from that stage of your Rams experience? and how it served you moving forward. So I think if we really look back around March, 2020, when everything sort of shut down mm -hmm. and I had my pro day scheduled and my pro day gets canceled. And so, and then I had, I actually had a workout with the 49ers at that time that gets canceled. And so I'm five alarm fire in my head being like, this is my dream coming to die. But then I was like, I'm not going to let this happen. So I go to um, our practice fields at Brown and I record the pro day videos. I'm sitting in iMovie doing all the edits, making sure the timers set up. And I put together the whole package of everything they would have seen at the pro day, um, but just virtually. And so I just, and then I had my agent start just sending that out to anybody that could get eyeballs on it. And I really think I would not be denied at least the eyeballs on me as a player. I was running routes as a tight end. I was doing defensive line drills. I was doing all the pro day and the combine numbers. I was making sure that 
um, if they wanted to see something, they would have that film without having to come see me in person. Um, and then eventually the draft comes around um, and I get the opportunity to sign with the Rams. And they were my number one choice um, right off the jump, just because I've been such a huge Aaron Donald fan <laughs> and having the opportunity to learn with him, have him in the locker room, teach you how to play the sport of football um, is just yeah, so incredible. And it's such an important part of being a young player is having those older guys um, around and mentor you and seeing how they've progressed in their careers and what you can draw on from them. Um, and I feel like that would be that was and is a really important piece of why I wanted to come here. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot the question. That's, that's quite all right. I, I want to. And it was fantastic. Yeah. I'm glad that you did. I want to follow up on the resume. <clears throat> Uh, real, if you will. Mm -hmm. Is there anyone else in your life that deserves a shout out for like partnering with you? Because it seems like you're very enterprising and we're doing this almost single-handedly. Um, no, there's, there's obviously a ton of people that helped me along the way. Um, my all, so first I have to say my mom, because she was a huge piece of, uh, and my dad too, they were such a huge piece of my upbringing mm -hmm. and going out to sports. Um, a great story is when I was living, I lived in Canada for my sophomore year of high school. Um, and I played football there and football wasn't the biggest sport at the high school and it's raining one day and it's a Wednesday afternoon and we're playing football. And my mom's the only one in the stands with an umbrella as the rain comes down. And she, and we were like, these are the people from Ohio who love football. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it's people like that, that give you the support and give you that um, ability to go and chase those things. And then um, all of the coaches at Brown, they were instrumental going through that pro day. Um, and so I would sit down with some of them and have them teach me concepts, um, especially on coverage in the back end, in case I'm going into interviews with coaches and they start asking coverage questions. Mm -hmm. That way I have that piece covered. Um, and then just everybody who I've met in Brown, my friends there, they were all extremely supportive, especially my roommates. Um, there's, and there's just been so many people that I'm not mentioning that have just helped me sure. come to where I am today. Were you confident in the product that you put down at that pro day that combined with your college resume, someone would bite? Yeah, I think I did. And I, I had had conversations with my agent and he was you know, fairly sure that we could get something to go. Um, and all I really wanted was an opportunity. I knew that if I got in somewhere mm -hmm. that I'd be able to work my way and be able to stick around. Um, but I just needed to get that shot. And so eventually I got my foot in the door and everything's worked out so far. Did the 2020 Rams practice squad feel like a continuation of that opportunity or maybe the disappointment of having not yet realized the ultimate goal? No, I, I at that point, um, I sort of treated it as, um, you know, this is kind of like a red shirt year for mm -hmm. me in that, um, I decided to look at it as an opportunity to every single week, get reps against one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, which is our offensive line. And so going up, up against Andrew Whitworth and Rob haven't seen, um, and just having all these guys and playing and practicing against them, mm -hmm. that was key to my development as a player. Cause coming from Ivy league football, there is a, you know, the next step that you do have to take. And I think those reps being on the practice squad every year, when you go against the ones um, that is instrumental in growing and developing as a player for me, it was, did you have that welcome to the NFL moment? 
I'm not sure it was exactly um, one specific moment, yeah. but there was definitely times when, you know, you're in the heat of camp and periods are getting very um, competitive and the music's going loud and you just kind of like take that me- moment to look around and be like, this is the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's here for a job and everybody's here wants your job. So let's jump ahead then to 2021. And this time football circumstances are a bit more normal, though we're not completely there yet. I understand uh, just to kind of take people behind the curtain. Yours was a name that I heard as much or more often than maybe any roster bubble candidate. And what I mean by that is if you had asked me by, say, August, there was very little doubt in my mind that you were going to make this team. I wonder if that was your lived experience as well or if it was more uncertain from your perspective. So I've I felt that I was having a good camp. Mm -hmm. I thought that I had taken another step from last year into being able to contribute and help um, on the team. Um, but obviously as an undrafted guy yeah. and as a guy and playing on one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL, um, you know, you're, you're always have that in the back of your head that maybe they're going to do some sort of move, mm-hmm. you know, this nothing's ever set in stone. Um, so you always have that lingering in the back of your head. I felt that I had put as good of a resume on tape as possible. And I was just going to let the coaches make their decision at that point. Hmm. What did it mean to make the roster and to uh, make your NFL debut at SoFi Stadium on Sunday Night Football? It was uh, it was a pretty special moment, um, you know. So after that last preseason game in the Denver game, um, you know, I had the strip sack, the fumble recovery, new set of downs for Lock and the Broncos on platform. He's hit. The ball's loose. The Rams are on it. A strip sack and a takeaway. It's Michael Hoyts with both. From the right side of Locke, he gets around the tackle, knocks it out of the throwing hand of Locke, and lands on the football. And then um, when I didn't play the second half, that was kind of, you know, the, maybe the first little indicator that, you know, you've made, I think you've done yeah. this. And then um, when the cuts finally happen, and I had to talk with Eric Henderson, our defensive line coach, and he eventually told me it's just grin ear to ear, call mm-hmm. the parents, you know, tell everybody. But Unfortunately, it's a quick turnaround because we had the Bears Sunday night football opening week. And uh, I'm not going to let, you know, the distraction of making the team take away from I want to perform on Sunday night at the biggest stage I've ever played in. You know, that step that you mentioned between your redshirt years, you described it and this your first NFL rostered season. Do you know what that step was? Like, can you identify the progress you've made? Yeah, I think it was it's getting more comfortable um, identifying types of blocks and making the transition from defending against um, a college offense, which is more spread out versus, you know, a pro style offense, which you get a lot more in the NFL. And then I think it's also understanding, you know, what offenses are um, doing. And also, you know, in college, you're in the premier pass rushing spot usually, whereas here that's always going to be Aaron Donald. So it's learning to um, play off other teammates and learn how to play your role really effectively such that you can help contribute. So you mentioned AD 99 a couple of times. Now it seems like you're going to tell your grandchildren someday about the time that you lined up on the same defensive front as him. What does it mean to you to have accomplished that, to have, I don't want to say lucked into it because you, you had the intention and you executed the vision, but it could have been any of the 31 other teams. Sure. Um, you know, I think it's just, it's, it's special to me because he's such an inspiring person Mm -hmm. and his work ethic is just exactly what I was looking for in a role model. And so, you know, to watch him in the weight room, watch him be the fastest dude on the field, watch him be the strongest dude on the field, watch him be the smartest dude on the field. Um, I think it's just something that I want to look at and, you know, I want to model my experience in the NFL after what he's done. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody, you know, 
should do that because he's got the blueprint for it. Now, not everybody can do what he does, um, but certainly that's something that you can continue to strive for. The word you used there uh, was interesting to me, smartest, because watching Aaron Donald, he has one of, if not the highest football IQs I've ever been exposed to. You talked about how the year one to year two difference was kind of learning some of those clues. Give me a sense of how much of a thinking man's game playing defensive line and defensive football is in the NFL. So there's definitely an aspect of it that you have to understand what offenses are trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. so that you can know when you get certain types of blocks where the problems are. And it's less that in the moment you're thinking about it and more that you just get so used to repping it in practice that it becomes, you know, second nature Mm -hmm. and an instinct and defensive line. It's a very instinctual position because as soon as the offensive line moves, you're reacting off them and you're reacting to what the different signals you're getting from the quarterbacks or even the formations at the beginning of the play. So there's a lot going on there. Um, And I think uh, our defensive line coach sometimes gets on me that I overthink things and that I start to, uh, you know, think I have all the right answers when sometimes you just have to go. And that's something I'm still continuing to work on. From Aaron's perspective, though, I've heard about the film room work that he puts in the study. It's almost like he's preparing for a final exam each week going into a game. Would that be given your kind of Ivy League academic experience a a good parallel? Yeah, I think, you know, he's definitely a guy that when he goes into a game, he's going to know all the answers Mm -hmm. to the test already. And he's played a lot of football now. So he's got a really good instinctual feel for what's coming. All right, let's get to grading. How would you evaluate your performance so far? I think it's been good. I think I've continued to take steps in the right direction um, and I'm only going to continue to improve um, as more and more snaps. And I think that something I'm proud of is that this year I'm helping contribute on special teams as well. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, can help me um, see the field, get comfortable in the NFL and just continue to play ball. So um, that's something that I'm glad I've taken that next step special teams wise as well. And turn this from an opportunity into a career, right? Exactly. To have yeah. some staying that power. Is, that is the end goal. Uh, give me a sense of where this team is at. Big picture, this roster, these four and one Rams coming off that win in Seattle. I think everybody's pretty excited for, you know, this is kind of the first quarter um, of the season done. And besides the Arizona Cardinals game, I think we've accomplished Mm -hmm. what we've needed to accomplish. But when I think everybody in this room and everybody in the film room goes into it and say, we left a ton of plays on the field Mm -hmm. and there's so much more that we could be so much better. We can, you know, there's so many things on offense, so many things on defense, so many things on special teams that we're only going to get, continue to get better and better at, and we're only going to get smarter and smarter and we're only going to hit harder and harder throughout the season. And that's what that takes to take this team and continue to do what we have been done, have done. And so um, I think everybody's really hungry right now because even if you win a game, I think guys in this room are wired the right way right way Mm -hmm. where when they see something on film that they could have done better, you know, that upsets them more than when they do um, have a really good play is they see that bad play and they want to eliminate those. And that's what I think we're all after. That hunger is, is poignant for me because you're four and one. And I'm not sure if you would say collectively that you've played a complete game, maybe save for the win over Tampa Bay was, was probably pretty close, but as you get set to face a one and four giants team kind of coming off of a nine, 10 day layoff, that hunger to me is important, right? Cause it sounds like you're trying to play your standard rather than play whoever's on the other side of the field. Yeah. I mean, we always talk about that. It's all about us and Mm -hmm. what we do. And when we play at our best, I don't think there's many teams that, you know, are going to beat us. And so 
I'm excited. I think everybody's well rested. We're going to come back with a good game plan. Um, and I think we're going to give the people a good show. Ready for our closing segment? Three and out. Let's do it. I gave you a bit of a preview, not the questions, but the theme. And for those of you who are new to the podcast each week, uh, I ask the Rams player three final questions. If they get all of them correct, I make a donation to the uh, LA Rams Foundation. Same for you and all of your uh, future teammates so no who pressure. step into this room. Okay. As a self-proclaimed Canadian, you've lived now both in Canada and the United States, of course. So I wonder, milk in a bag or milk in a carton? Um, I prefer milk in a carton, but milk in a bag just makes way more sense to me. <laughs> in what way? Um, that when you throw it out, it takes up a lot less room in the trash can and you get it's reusable too. Okay, so so it's, practical. Yes. One for one. Question number two. I've read that you were a calculus tutor while at Brown. Is that correct? That was correct. Were you tutoring fellow Brown students or prep students in the area? Who were you um, working with? I was with? tutoring. Uh, it started off just a lot of football teammates that mm -hmm. I was sort of helping out. And then it kind of grew to the point where I had 30 kids sitting down and I was teaching calculus all of a sudden. Okay. I'm going to ask you to identify the following function graph. Okay. okay. Apologies to those of you who are listening to the audio podcast, but if you're with us on YouTube, take a look here and I've made it multiple choice for you, Michael. Yeah. Is the function a linear B square, C cube, or D square root? D cube. Oh, you got it. I'm not surprised. How did you get into calculus? Um, I had a really good teacher in high school and he just burned it into the, um, our brains when we were studying for um, like the AP math class mm -hmm. in uh, high school. And then all that just carried over and it just became something that I was pretty good at. I got cold chills just even looking at that graph and thinking <laughs> back to when it was a significant portion of my life. All right. Final question. Question number three here on three and out. Does Jonathan Moxon belong on the Brown football Mount Rushmore? Um, I would say so. Yeah. You have it. You know what I'm talking about because no. you're okay. <laughs> Varsity Blues. Yep. Have you seen the movie? I have not. Mox played by James Vanderbeek. Uh, it was a very popular film for my generation. You were about two when the movie came out. Uh, I'm not sure he rises to the Fritz Pollard or John Heisman. Uh, You're going to have to check it out. Brown status. But uh, you go watch Varsity Blues on your bike. And I will report. Yeah. And, and you report back because there's a, there's a connection to Brown football, okay. believe it or not. Uh, as for tonight's plans, you're going to the Dodgers game. I, I hear I'm excited. To Baseball go. fan. Uh, I am when I can be, um, you know, 180 teams, a lot of games, but if there's a game on, I'm going to try and watch it. All right. Well, good luck uh, getting down to Chavez Ravine and taking care of the Giants and helping the Dodgers on to the next round of the Major League playoffs. Uh, the smartest man in the room, certainly maybe in the entire Rams facility. <laughs> Michael Hoyt, thank you. It's good to get to know you a little bit better. Yes, it's been awesome. This has been fun. Wish you a long and successful career. Thank you for listening. I'm JB Long, and this is Rams Revealed. 